The Celestial Robe of Feathers Three years after the royal hunt and in the springtime, the Lady Kaguya continually gazed at the moon. On the seventh month, when the moon was full, the Lady Kaguya's sorrow increased so that her weeping distressed the maidens who served her. At last, they came to the bamboo cutter and said, Long has the Lady Kaguya watched the moon, waxing in melancholy with the waxing thereof, and her woe now passes all measure, and sorely she weeps and wails. Wherefore we counsel thee to speak with her, please. When the bamboo cutter spoke with his daughter, he requested that she should tell him of the cause of her sorrow, and was informed that the sight of the moon caused her to reflect upon the wretchedness of the world. During the eighth month, the Lady Kaguya explained to her maids that she was no ordinary mortal, but that her birthplace was the capital of Moonland, and that the time was now at hand when she was destined to leave the world and return to her old home. Not only was the bamboo cutter heartbroken at this sorrowful news, but the Mikado was also considerably troubled when he heard of the proposed departure of the Lady Kaguya. His majesty was informed that at the next full moon, a company would be sent down from that shining orb to take this beautiful lady away. Whereupon he decided to put a check upon this celestial invasion. He ordered that a guard of soldiers should be stationed about the bamboo cutter's house, armed and prepared, if need be, to shoot their arrows upon those moon folk who would fain take the beautiful Lady Kaguya away with them. The old bamboo cutter naturally thought that with such a guard to protect his daughter, the invasion from the moon would prove utterly futile. The Lady Kaguya attempted to correct the old man's ideas on the subject, saying, Ye cannot prevail over the folk of yonder land, nor will your artillery harm them, nor your defenses avail against them. For every door will fly open at their approach. Nor may your valor help, for be ye never so stout-hearted, when the moon folk come, vain will your struggle with them be. These remarks made the bamboo cutter exceedingly angry. He asserted that his nails would turn into sharp talons. In short, that he would completely annihilate such impudent visitors from the moon. While the royal guard was stationed about the bamboo cutter's house, on the roof and in every direction, the night wore on. At the hour of the rat, a great glory, exceeding the splendor of the moon and stars, shone around. While the light still continued, a strange cloud appeared, bearing upon it a company of moon folk. The cloud slowly descended until it came near to the ground, and the moon folk assembled themselves in order. When the royal guard perceived them, every soldier grew afraid at the strange spectacle, but at length some of their number summoned up the sufficient courage to bend their bows and send their arrows flying, but all their shafts went astray. On the cloud there rested a canopied car, resplendent with curtains of finest woolen fabric, and from out of that car a mighty voice sounded, Come thou forth, Miyako Maro. The bamboo cutter tottered forth to obey the summons, and received for his pains an address from the chief of the moon folk, commencing with, Thou fool! 
and ending with a command that the Lady Kaguya should be given up without further delay. The car floated upward towards the clouds until it hovered over the roof. Once again, the same mighty voice shouted, Ho there, Kaguya! How long wouldst thou tarry in this sorry place? Immediately, the outer door of the storehouse and the inner latticework were opened by the power of the Moonfolk, and revealed the Lady Kaguya and her women gathered about her. The Lady Kaguya, before taking her departure, greeted the prostrate bamboo cutter and gave him a scroll bearing these words. Had I been born in this land, never should I have quitted it until the time came for my father to suffer no sorrow for his child. But now, on the contrary, must I pass beyond the borders of this world, though sorely against my will. My silken mantle I leave behind me as a memorial, and when the moon lights up in the night sky, let my father gaze upon it. Now my eyes must take their last look, and I must mount to yonder sky, whence I fain would fall, meteor-wise, to earth. The moonfolk had brought with them in a coffer a celestial feather robe and a few drops of the elixir of life. One of them said to the Lady Kaguya, Taste, I pray you, of this elixir, for soiled has your spirit become with the grossness of this filthy world. The Lady Kaguya, after tasting the elixir, was about to wrap up some of the mantle she was leaving behind for the benefit of the bamboo cutter, who had loved her so well, when one of the moon folk prevented her, and attempted to throw over her shoulders the celestial robe. Have patience yet a while, who dons yonder robe changes his heart. I still have something to do before I depart. She then proceeded to write the following to the Mikado. Your majesty sent a host to protect your servant, but it was not to be, and now is the misery at hand of departing with those who have come to bear her away with them. Not permitted was it to her to serve your majesty, and despite her will, was it that she yielded not obedience to the royal command, and wrung with grief is her heart thereat. And perchance your majesty may have thought the royal will was not understood, and was opposed by her, and so will she appear to your majesty lacking in good manners, which she would not your majesty deemed her to be. And therefore humbly she lays this writing at the royal feet. And now must she don the feathered robe and mournfully bid her lord farewell. Having delivered this scroll into the hands of the captain of the host, together with the bamboo joint containing the elixir, the feather robe was thrown over her, and in a moment all memory of her earthly existence departed. The Lady Kaguya then entered the car, surrounded by the company of moonfolk, and the cloud rapidly rose skyward till it was lost to sight. The sorrow of the bamboo cutter and of the Mikado knew no bounds. The latter held a grand council and inquired which was the highest mountain in the land. One of the counselors answered, In Suruga stands a mountain, not remote from the capital, that towers highest towards the heavens among all the other mountains of the land whereupon his majesty composed the following verse, Nevermore to see her, tears of grief overwhelm me, and as for me, 
with the elixir of life, what have I to do? Then the scroll which the Lady Kaguya had written, together with the elixir, was given to Suki no Iwakasa. These he was commanded to take to the summit of the highest mountain in Saruga and, standing upon the highest peak, to burn the scroll and the elixir of life. Suki no Iwakasa heard humbly the royal command and took with him a company of warriors and climbed the mountain and did as he was bidden. And it was from that time forth that the name of Fuji, or Fujiyama, meaning never dying, was given to yonder mountain. And men say that the smoke of that burning still curls from its high peak to mingle with the clouds of heaven. <laughs>